Good morning, church. Welcome to River Valley Christian Church, Lake Elmo, Minnesota. Woo! Yeah, I'm not even going with the Vikings. Sorry, I just can't. Sorry. <laughs> it was a better last year, okay? Um, make sure you turn down your, uh, your electronic devices, unless you're watching online. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn them up, because I don't know sign language, so that's not going to work. Um, so you ever have a, a scripture, a part in the Bible, where it almost as if your Bible naturally just opens to it? I have a, a spot in the Bible, and uh, so it's a lot of mornings I will open up my Bible in the dark and then turn on the light. It's just a thing that God and I have, and then all of a sudden I just kind of read whatever pops up. Uh, it's just a, a way that him and I connect, and I just meditate on what he shows me. Well, uh, last week, two weeks ago maybe, whatever, uh, I opened it up again and turned on the light, and it uh, went to the scripture that quite often op- uh, opens up for me. And this is in Acts chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 10, it's talking about Cornelius, who is uh, of the Italian regiment, very devout God, guy to God, gives alms all the time. And as he's seeking God, an angel comes and visits him. Which I'd be like, hey, this is pretty cool. And the angel's like, hey, go, go send for Peter. And he tells him exactly where Peter's at. Meanwhile, which is so cool, Peter's up on some rooftop in that same city, and he's seeking the Lord. And the Lord said, or, or they showed a bunch of animals in a blanket being let down. And God says to Peter, rise up and eat. Oh, I can't, God. That's just not right. I, uh, I've, never, I've never done that. I can't, I'm not unclean. I'm not going to do it. Happens three times. And he's sitting there going, well, what's the deal with this or whatever? Finally, God says, hey, there's going to be some people coming to seek who you are and want, want you to go with them. Don't ask any questions. Just go with them. So lo and behold, Peter goes with them to Cornelius' house. And as he gets there, Cornelius and all his family are there ready to hear whatever Peter has to say. Man, the Holy Spirit is a genius. How he can orchestrate both sides of that for this to happen. So as the story goes, Peter gives them the message of salvation, message of how Jesus is so cool and what he did for us. And as he's doing that, the whole family gets saved, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. (laughs) You're a genius, God. And the whole time that this is happening, you know, Peter's like, well, then we should baptize them, get these guys to do all that. And so that happens. 
But then after Peter does that, he goes back to his circumcised group of friends, and they're like, hey, uh, like, why were you hanging out with sinners uncircumcised? Like, you're, they're unclean. You shouldn't be hanging out with them. And he had explained to them exactly what the Lord had laid on his heart to do that. We have loved ones. People that we think are unclean. And I can tell you that God is more relentless in his pursuit of them than you are. He loves them way, way, way more than you do. So all your friends and family that want to get that you want saved, he wants them saved more. So I'm going to share a little testimony. So last week. Sorry, it's taking a little. <laughs> Normally does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so last week we were at a memorial. Last Sunday we were at a memorial for a friend of mine that passed away. And uh, just a very real guy, very down to earth. I kind of knew he was saved, but I wasn't, you know, we kind of had conversations, but I really didn't know. So at this memorial, it was at Games Unlimited there in uh, uh, Burkhart in, in Wisconsin. And we have about 150 guys or so, and fam- friends and family, whatever, that went there to shoot guns in honor of, of, uh, of uh, Chris. Just because he was so real and so down to earth, people just wanted to go there and honor him. So... Everybody goes out, does the shooting, does all this, do some fun stuff. It was, just, it was just a great day. Not for me. I don't shoot very well. <laughs> Daughter scored twice as much as I did. <laughs> so anyways, as we're there, then all of a sudden the memorial part starts. And it was a salvation message. And so you've got guys sitting there with a beer in their hand, smoking a cigar, and they're captivated because they can't move. <laughs> And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is a genius. If you think your loved ones are, like, like you think, well, I don't, they're not going to come into church, He will get them. He will get them wherever they are because He loves them way more than you do. So let's open up with prayer. Father, I thank you for your amazing, amazing, unconditional love. I thank you that you are relentless. Relentless. Not only for our lost ones, but Father, also for us. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, you (laughs) want to intertwine with us throughout the day. You want to lift us up so that you are glorified in this earth. And we just want to say, yes, Papa, we're available. In Jesus' name, amen. going to receive communion. And as, uh, as we've been singing um, and thinking about communion and thinking about the, the, what we do during communion and how communion, what it means and how it, how it works and, and why Jesus told us to, as often as we do this, to remember Him. I, uh, I keep coming back to 
the uh, the sermon I'm going to preach this morning, and I I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, how can we how can we switch this around where you can hear the sermon first and it will it'll help you. But let, let me just let me let, we're going to do it this way. We're going to receive communion now, but I want you to 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 be thinking about this. Is that there's verses in the Bible where it talks about receiving communion rightly. And there's, it's possible to receive communion wrong. And, and we talked about this a few, the last time we, we received communion that, you know, it says that we should examine ourselves and we should, we should deal with whatever is in us that, you know, that, that would cause us to, to, to receive communion wrongly. And, and I remember I, I said, you know, a month ago, for those of you who were here, I talked about the, the two people that Jesus saw praying in the, in the uh, in the temple, where one was like, you know, boy, I'm, I, you know, thank you, Lord, that that I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you bless me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that sinner over there, and and thinking of too highly of himself. Where the other one, the other person was was saying, oh, you know, forgive me. I don't, you know, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve this. He came very humbly to God, and and so you know that's. We talked about how we can receive communion wrongly if we think too highly of ourselves, and and we're not we don't, we're not coming humbly. And I believe you know we dealt with it that day. That was, you know, that was what God was saying that day. But my whole sermon today, and I, it's tough because you know I like to do line upon line. I like to do I like to build it, you know. And but the whole sermon today is about forgiveness. Doing what Jesus did. Doing what Jesus did. He said we could do the things that He did. And what He did was He forgave. He forgave us. His death, when we remember His death, when, we, when we're doing communion here, what we're doing is says that we're, we're publicly proclaiming His death. We're remembering what He did. And what He did was He forgave us. But we'll talk about later on in the sermon, we're going to talk about all the other people that Jesus forgave and how important it is for us to forgive. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a heads up. We can deal with some of this this morning. Is as, as we're receiving communion, you know, we need to do it rightly. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't disqualify you from receiving communion. Right? Remember last time I said, you know, there's too many people that, that have not received communion for a while. I know people that didn't have not received communion for literally years because they never felt worthy. And that's not what communion is about. It's not, it's not to disqualify people to receive it. It's actually to bring people in to receive it. And so there's always a way. There's, he, he made a way where there was no way. He said, yeah, what's impossible for man is possible for God. And he makes a way. He makes a way for you this morning to not sit there and go, I don't deserve it. No, you don't physically deserve it. None of us can earn it. But if we accept what he did for us, we accept the forgiveness that he has given us, you absolutely are qualified. But I want to give you a hint. You have to forgive others also. And that can happen in a second. It's not a pro- I mean, it, it is a process of changing your heart. But you can forgive people right this second. You don't. You don't have to. Dis- you're not disqualified if you're harboring something against somebody. 
So this morning, as the communion, as the ushers come with the communion, I just want to take a moment. And that way you can get into the sermon and just enjoy it and go, wow, I'm glad I sorted that out early. I don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel convicted and deal with it. Then You can do it right now. Father, forgive them. Forgive those who've done stuff against me. Forgive my co-workers. Forgive my schoolmates. Forgive my neighbor who've done things to me. Forgive my family. Forgive my spouse. Forgive my kids. Forgive, Lord, forgive me for not forgiving myself. Father, forgive me. It's that simple. But it all has to do with humility. Forgiving someone else has to do with humility. If you won't forgive somebody, it's because you want to lord it over them. You want to hold it against them. And that's pride. It's it's another level of pride. So so it's just better to get rid of that stuff. Those, Those things that so easily beset you. So this morning as we receive communion, and we remember the amazing fact that He forgave us. Forgive one another as you were forgiven. Father, we do come before you this morning and we just, Lord, we want clean slates, man. We don't want to carry baggage. We don't want to carry things that so easily beset us, that so easily weigh us down. Father, we want to we want to deal with this stuff. And so we can live a life that's just full of life without the baggage. Forgive us. I, I'm, so, I'm so excited, Lord. I'm so happy that you forgave me. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us. But Lord, thank you that you give us the ability to forgive others. And so that we can receive communion today worthily. Your word says that on the night you were betrayed, that you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body broken for you. And then you took the cup and you said, this is the the blood of the new covenant. Shed for your sins. Shed for the remission, the the payment, the, the, the wiping away of every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you'll ever forget, you'll ever commit. Thank you, Jesus that this morning we remember You. And we not only remember You as we receive the elements, but Lord, we remember You as we forgive others. And we walk out of this place today clean. Our consciences are clean. Our our heart is clean. Our spirits are clean because You made them clean. But Lord, we want to deal with all the other stuff that slows us down. Thank You, Jesus, for what You did. And this morning... We do receive. Receive this in remembrance of you. Praise the Lord. He's good. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 14. You probably came with that already marked, ready to go to it. We're in our seventh week of a series. 
I have no idea how many we're going to have, but we're here again today anyway. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 11, as where we have been beginning. Believe me, this is Jesus speaking, it's at the Last Supper, it's, it's right at this time when he's, when he's receiving or doing the, this meal, this Seder meal, this communion meal. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. We've already established, I don't need to nail this, this uh, point to the wall again. But just, you know, just to, to, just to refresh your mind, just to think, is there anything, anything, is there anything that Jesus did while he was on the earth that you can't do? Thank you. You're getting it. You're getting it. That's the point. There's nothing. I mean, he says, the things that I've been doing, now, I, 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 as soon as I started to ask that question just a moment, moment ago, I got a little nervous because I'm thinking, oh, great, somebody's going to raise their hand and say, well, I can't die for somebody else's sin, right? And I thought, oh, they got me in a loophole here. But he said the things that I have been doing. So there we go. That loophole is closed. So everything, everything that he did, everything that he did, everything that he did, you can do. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. Turn, nudge your neighbor and say, huh, isn't that cool? Say, just nudge him, go, huh, isn't that cool? Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus said that, and then he immediately went and started to the process of dying on the cross for us. And we've talked about what that means and that we can do it. And I, you know, you guys are getting it. There's nothing that he did. Nothing. Any of the miracles, any of the teaching, preaching, any of that stuff, if he, if he did it, you can do it. You're not, you're not, you're not like, well, I thought only preachers could do that or only evangelists or prophets or whatever. No, anything Jesus did, you can do. Anything you need him to do uh, to, 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 for life and godliness, you ask him for it, he'll do it for you. Well, except, no, there's no accepts. No accepts. No exceptions. You, no buts. Thank you. Who said that? Rich, good job. I thought it, but I wasn't going to say it. No buts. But you know, there's nothing that he did that you can't do. Okay. So what did he do? And we started a couple of weeks ago and we said that he, he healed people, right? He healed people and we can heal people. Last week we talked about provision supernatural provision if you need supernatural provision which i need supernatural provision there's things that i'm believing for that have to it has to come supernaturally because i can't i can't make that much money 
I remember years ago, I was praying and I said, Lord, I just, I need a thousand dollars. He goes, that's it? I was like, ooh. Yeah, you're right. Lord, I need ten thousand. He goes, that's it? Okay. Lord, I need a hundred thousand. That's it? This goes on for a while. I got up to millions. He goes, that's it? We're only limited by what we believe. If he believe, if we believe that he's uh, uh, limitless, then we'll start to think limitless. We'll start thinking outside the box. We'll start thinking crazy. Because he thought crazy. He, he, he thought if, if he, when he dies on the cross, that everyone after him can go to heaven. That's crazy. But he did it anyway, didn't he? And it works. It's the way it did. That's how it works. We put our faith in what he did. And he was the first born among many. Amen? All right. So what did Jesus do? We talked about those things this week. I already let the cat out of the bag. You know, forgive me, but it primes you. It gets you ready. It, it, it helps you to get steeled to yourself. You're like, oh, shoot. He's going to deal. Because here's the deal. You know, I love talking about the power, you know, the gifts, the, the anointings, you know, the, the cool stuff. You know, let's walk on water. Let's, let's heal the sick and raise the dead. That's awesome. But then all week long, I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, what, what, what else did Jesus do? What do you want me to talk about? He said, every time, every time I keep hearing, He forgave you. He forgave you. I was like, okay, I know that. And He goes, but that, he, you can forgive. Because He forgave you, you can forgive others. And we're supposed to. We need to. So, turn with me to Luke. Luke chapter 23. For those of you who are doing our, our read through the Bible in a year, we were just here. Well, actually, not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We were not just here. We're going to be here tomorrow. We were in, we were in the Last Supper today even. And tomorrow we'll be in Luke 23, beginning in, we'll talk about this. Luke 23, verse 32 says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's in the middle of being put to death. He's in the middle. He, I mean, he's, he's actually towards the end of the torture. He had been being tortured for hours. Tortured. And I mean tortured. Hey, you know, my wife and I like to watch TV and we, we like, I like, I like army show. I like, I like military. I like, you know, spies and stuff like that. And, and, you know, inevitably there will always be a scene where somebody gets tortured and I have to turn off the sound. And we have to avert our eyes. You just, you don't want to watch that kind of. You just don't want to watch that. You know, why, why fill yourself with that? But that's, you know, Jesus was tortured. We hear about what, what happened to him and we think, okay, well, he was, he did this for the payment of sins and it was beat, you know, he was beaten. But what he was done, what, what it was done was he was tortured. They beat him severely. They, they, they just, but here he is at the end. He's at the end of it. He's actually nailed to the cross. He's just a couple of hours away from death. And what does he say? Forgive him. You know, I think about if somebody, if somebody wronged one of my family members, if somebody 
if somebody attacked my wife, I mean, they don't have to even have to attack her physically. You know, they talk, they attack her verbally. Who have pity on their soul? One of my kids, one of my my grandchild. Oh, you mess with my grandchild. Ooh, this actually may not apply. No, I'm kidding. No, no, totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. You know, you just, just you can just put yourself there. You somebody, somebody, you know, they can mess with you. I've always I've always thought that way. People can say whatever they want about me. I don't care. But you mess with my family. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. In the middle of it. In the middle of it. That is a level of love I don't understand yet. I mean, if I were to say I get it, I understand it, I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. That is a level of love that only God can have. But then again, you hear stories about People who have gone through horrific situations. I've read a number of books about not just about the Holocaust, but from people who were in the Holocaust, who you know, people who were affected by the Holocaust, people who who lived through the the end of of being tortured, the end of being of being uh, abused and 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 incarcerated unfairly, and so on. I mean, have you ever read Corey Tenboom's book or seen a movie or whatever? And she was angry. She's in the concentration camp and she's angry. And her sister who's dying says, Corey, you have to forgive him. That's a, that's a level of love that can only be supernatural. It can only be supernatural. You, you don't have it in you. I don't have it in me. As, as, as a human being in, in, in my own flesh, I don't have it in my flesh to forgive people that way. But there are people who forgive people for those very things. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Perfect timing. <laughs> forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him. So was Jesus only forgiving the soldiers? The ones who drove the nails in? Was he only forgiving them? No. Was he only forgiving the, 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 the people that were around him? You know, the people that, had, you know, a week later had, when he came into the city and they praised him, you know, Hosanna to the highest. Blessed he, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The the Palm Sunday, you know. Well, he's you're awesome, you're awesome, you're wonderful. And a week later, they're yelling, "Crucify him!" Was he only forgiving them? Was he actually forgiving the religious leaders who lied about him and schemed against him and falsely accused him and sent him? to that death, was He actually forgiving them too? Who else was He forgiving? You got it. Because it was our sin that sent Him there. 
Forgive them, Father. He forgave you before His blood was, before that payment was fully made. He forgave us for every sin that you'll ever commit. He was thinking of us when He was on that cross and He said, Lord, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. Man, I mean, you think about that. You think about, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Anybody here, do not raise your hand. Please do not raise your hand. I'm not trying to out anybody. But have you ever sinned willfully? Have you ever known you shouldn't do it and you did it anyway? Dear naughty, don't nod. No, you, I know what you, but here's the deal. We all have. And he said, Lord, forgive them for they don't understand it yet. They know not what they do. That is a level of love that is only, only supernatural. There is no way you can love in that level in the natural flesh of sin. But. But God. But. You can forgive like that because of Him. Because of what He's done. Because of the, the, the blood shed for you. Because of His death which allowed for the forgiveness of sin, which meant the, the fellowship to be restored between us and God. He, because of what He did, the Holy Spirit can, can be in you, is in you. And because of that, you literally can forgive people for that. For that kind of stuff. And that, I'm going to tell you, is as supernatural as raising the dead. That is as supernatural as laying hands on the sick. That is, it, it literally has to be as supernatural to believe for provision. Forgiving someone, no matter what they did, no matter what they did, no matter what they did, no matter what they did. I just wanted to get to all the layers where you can argue with me. To forgive them is supernatural. And if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to do what Jesus did, you really do. We, we do need to walk in that kind of love and forgive others. Jesus, that that story, this this story, I picked that one because that's obviously that's the that's the uh, the epitome there. But turn to Luke twenty-two, just a couple of chapters ahead, or just actually one chapter ahead. Here's where we were today. This is these are the verses. I didn't know these were going to be the verses that we were going to read today, but here we are. You know the verses that were in our daily reading. If you want to do the daily reading, it's still available. You can find it online. Find it all over the place. Read through the Bible. It's good to be in the Word. Amen? Luke 22, verse 31. They're at the Last Supper. They're, they're, they're sitting there, and He's talking about all kinds of stuff. Jesus is talking about all kinds of stuff. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how you live your life. Here's how this. Holy Spirit's coming, so on and so forth. And then right in the middle of it, He turns to Simon, and He has a word of knowledge for him. 
Jesus, did Jesus operate in the word of knowledge? Yes, he did. Right here. Here's an example where he knew something that it wasn't physically, uh, 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 naturally available to him. He knew something in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit told him. And he says, this is Luke 22 beginning with verse 31, says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded that you, to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith might not, may not fail. And when you have, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. That's brave, really brave. Verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied me three times that you know me. In the moment when Jesus needed people, you know that Jesus needed people? He needed people. He, when he came, he was God. Yes, he was absolutely all God, completely all God. But he was also human. And in his humanity, and we see that in the garden when he's praying and he's realizing that all of his friends are falling asleep because they don't get what's going on. They don't know what's about to happen. You know, he's told them plainly. He told them at supper what was about to happen. They're going to take me. They're going to beat me. They're going to put me on a, you know, they're going to hang me on a tree. They're going to, do, and they're all going, no. Gosh, I don't know why he keeps, this is such a downer. We were having so much fun tonight. Now he has to go talk about, oh, they're going to beat me up. You know, what is he talking about? They don't get it. They just don't get it. And they go out to pray and he's going, pray. He's sweating blood and he's praying and they're, they're like, they've fallen asleep. And he goes, guys, can't you sit with me for one hour? And then they fell back asleep again. And he just went off and prayed by himself. He was all by himself. And when Judas came to betray him, Judas came to betray him. Betrayed him. Did he forgive Judas? Of course he did. He forgave everybody. But Judas still had to deal with the, with the consequences of his sin. Oh, should I give you should I give you a zinger right now? Should I just give you a part of this? Do you know why? You know why Judas had to suffer the consequences of his sin? Because Judas wouldn't forgive himself. He wouldn't forgive himself. And it says that he, he was overwhelmed with sorrow because he wouldn't forgive himself. You know, when you're, when you're in the process of forgiving people, one of the people you should forgive is yourself. What do you mean, forgive myself? Anybody ever do stupid things that you wished you hadn't? Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I, I have spent a lot of time over my life, kicking myself for some of the stupid things I did. And I, and it was a long, long time. I couldn't, I didn't know I had to forgive myself. I didn't realize I, I needed to forgive myself. I needed to, I needed to deal with that and go, you know what? I, I was, I was lost. And I was lost. And I, and I did things out of ignorance. And I did things that hurt people. And I don't like hurting people. Man, now I just, I mean, as a, as a, 
as a believer, as, as someone who's been regenerated by Christ, I don't like to hurt people. I don't want to hurt people. And people that, that I hurt, I just, you know, just, it, my heart aches. People that I led astray, people that I, that I brought temptation into their life and caused them to do things they wouldn't have normally done. How I treated people, things I said to people. Man, I said some pretty, pretty nasty stuff to people in my life. And now I just, when I think about it, every once in a while Satan brings it back up again. Remember when you did this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the cool thing is, once I realize I need to forgive myself, I'm going, you know what, Father, I know you've forgiven me, and I, I'm sorry I was an idiot, and I, I, but I forgive myself for being an idiot. Now when Satan comes, I go, under the blood, I'm not going to dwell on this. I've already been forgiven of that. You can't bring that up anymore. But Judas, was Jude, did Jesus forgive Judas? Yes, Jesus absolutely forgave. Judas didn't have to die. You know, he could have been one of the 12 disciples that continued on after the whole thing. But he chose to hate himself so much he killed himself. But here Peter is, in the midst of when Jesus needs him the most, somebody who said, I'll go to jail with you, Jesus. All right, at this moment, Jesus is in jail. And just a few hours earlier, he said, I'll go to jail with you. I'll even die for you, Jesus. Because he's right after that happens, they're, they're sentencing him to death. That's it. Send him to Pilate. We're going to kill him. Oh, I don't know this guy. I don't know him. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know him. One, one of the Gospels says he swore at the person. You blankety blank blank blank. I didn't, I don't know him. And just then the rooster crows. And it said he went away in shame. Do you know there could have been an extra casualty there that night? You know, Peter could have been sifted. Peter could have went and killed himself like Judas did. But he didn't. Why? Because he knew Jesus. Or he just wasn't into it. I don't know. We don't know why he didn't do it. He didn't. And we come to this verse. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse 15 says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is after he has been resurrected, after they after he had been showing himself to people, he, they're at the ocean, or they're at, they're at the Sea of Galilee, and the guys decide to go fishing, and Jesus comes up and shows, and he's, he's on the shore and tells them to put their net on the other side, and, and they, they pull in a catch, and they, they, he, Peter runs in, and he's, he's talking to Jesus, and Jesus is cooking breakfast, and he says to him, says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to me, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep or tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And I would be too. John, do you love me? Oh, yeah, you know I love you, Lord. Think about this for a second. John, do you love me? 
Yes, yes, I love you. Do you really love me, John? Yes. I mean, Jesus is getting to that depth. Remember, I just asked that question four times. I said, can you know, can you really, can you forgive someone who's really hurt you? Do, I mean, really, really hurt you. Really, really, really hurt. There's, there's levels of hurt. There's levels of stuff. There's stuff. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, you're, you've come in here today and, and there's, there's, you're, 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 it's just something recent. Or there's nothing at all. You can just, if you want to go have some coffee, go ahead. If there's no problems, I'm kidding. Don't have coffee. I, I'm almost done. But there's levels of hurt. There's levels of dealing with things. There's, I'm not trying to dredge up stuff. I'm really not. I'm not trying to go back to your, you know, junior high because everybody goes through junior high and been hurt severely from junior high. No one gets out unscathed. It's just, it's just the reality. Junior high is one of Dante's levels of hell. I'm pretty sure. But we, we all get hurt and we all have hurts and there's things. I'm not trying to dredge something up. I'm just trying to say, hey, we, we've all been there at one point in time. And every one of those levels, every one of those things, we, we, we need to walk in love and we need to forgive. Peter says three times, you know that I love you. And he says in verse, Jesus says in verse 18, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you, were, uh, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Then he said, he's, this he said to show him, this he said to show by the way, the kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus received him back into the inner circle. Received him back. And we see Paul, or Peter was greatly used. Greatly used. Day of Pentecost. Beyond that. Throughout Jerusalem. Other areas. God greatly used Peter. And the only way he could greatly use him was he forgave him. Peter, I forgive you for, for when I needed you the most, man. When you, when I needed you the most. You ditched me. You denied me. That's okay. Forget it, man. Don't worry about it. I forgive you. Jesus walked in a level of love. When your life is on the line and somebody walks away from you, says, I don't even know this guy. That's a, that's a deep hurt, man. That's, that's deep hurt. But you have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. I was talking to one person one time and I said, I said, I don't, I know, I know, I know, I know what happened. I understand what I'm, I'm trying to help them. They came to me and they were like, how come, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I said, the, the place you have to start, the place you begin with is you have to, you have to forgive that person for what they did. And they said, you don't understand what they did to me. And I said, I probably don't. I don't have to. Because it isn't about, well, okay, that's okay. You don't have to forgive. No, whatever happened to you, 
for your benefit, for your, for your sake, you must forgive them. You have to forgive them. I don't care how mean they were to you. I don't care what they've said. I don't care what they've done. I don't care. I, Jesus said, the ones that are killing him, even if they killed you, which they haven't, we need to forgive them. For your sake. And we're going to find out for their sake. We have to forgive. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And behold, some people, I'm going backwards now. We're getting further away from the resurrection. This is back when he was ministering, but I want to show you something. And behold, some people brought him, brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when they saw, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. I've used this before. Because wait a second, he's paralyzed. Obviously, Jesus. Obviously. We understand what needs to happen here. He needs to be healed. And you, the first thing you come out with is, your sins are forgiven? Well, that not only messes with our mind, but it also messed with the Jewish people of the day, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. They're like, who in the world do you think you are that you can forgive sins? And Jesus said, okay, which is harder here? To say, take up your bed and walk, or that your sins are forgiven? Well, they didn't answer him, because they didn't know. <laughs> they don't, I don't know. And he says, well, to prove to you that the Son of Man has, has authority to forgive the sins of others, take up your bread and walk. So, so here's Jesus Showing, what, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He forgave people's sins. Even before He died on the cross. What can you do? Let that just sink in for a second here. Do you know that you have authority you, oh gosh, this is just gonna, your theologies, I can feel them shaking. They're starting to, they're starting to shake. They're starting to rumble a little bit. Wait a second. Do you realize that you can do what, remember I said, I started this whole thing saying, is there anything that Jesus did that you can't do? And you said, thank you. Jesus forgave sins. Can you forgive people's sins? And are they actually forgiven? Yeah. Yes. 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 When you forgive their sins, you're helping them. When you forgive them of their sins, man, I just, okay, all of a sudden this is going to change, change how you think about people. And for me, it's really going to have to change. Because the most the people that really annoy me, do you want to know who really annoys me? It literally has nothing to do with church people. It has to do with the guy in front of me at a stoplight who won't go when it's his turn. <laughs> S- 
stop signs are not mystical, guys. They're not, they're not ununderstandable. When it's your turn to go, go. Now, I don't care about the guy over there, because if the guy over on that side doesn't go when he's supposed to, I go, you know, skip you. It's easy. Snooze, you lose. It's the guy in front of me that won't go when they're supposed to go. And it drives my wife nuts. Not that they, they're not going. It drives my wife nuts because I start getting verbal. I was like, what are you thinking? We're going to be here all day if you wait for the car five miles away. And Deb's going, just settle down. She's far down this road, much farther than I am. But I, you know, I've I recently, in the last period of time, whatever it is, I've started realizing that what I'm doing is I'm cursing them. Not, not blankety blank blank, that, that, that isn't it. But I say something, you idiot. You know, if, if I want God to honor my words, I gotta be careful with the words I use. Even in, even in those where nobody else is in the car thing. Even if my wife's not there. If I want God to honor my words that by Jesus stripes you're healed and I'm gonna, I wanna pray for you, I wanna, if I want Him to honor those words, I need Him, I want Him to, I, He needs to be able to honor the words I say in my car when I'm all by myself. But I'm telling you, this is a tough one. Pray for me. Because <laughs> it does. It just something internal, something, something just, I just get, I'm like, really? I could have been halfway to Stillwater by now. You can tell it's deep. It's really deep. I'm sorry. But you, you can do that about your boss, can't you? You can do that about your boss. Praise God, Pastor Greg's not in here because it would have been a loud amen. <laughs> you can do that about your coworkers. You can do that about your neighbor. You can go, oh, that, that neighbor, he won't take care of his dog. His dog keeps coming in my yard, leaving gifts. Blankety blank neighbor. Now, I, I'm trying to make this as light as possible because you can do that. You can do that to your parents. Your parents aren't perfect, man. I'm not perfect. I'm so far from being perfect. Praise God, my kids, I think they've forgiven me because I'm blessed. So apparently they've forgiven me. But you can have that, you can hold something against your parent. You can hold something against your sibling. And you can hold them back. You can hold them back spiritually by not forgiving them. Because he said, if you forgive them, they're forgiven. And, and if, 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 if you're holding something against them, I mean, I could, I'm not going to get to the verse. I'm not going to get there. I can maybe get there the next, next week. I'm not sure. That if you forgive them, they're forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. But then Jesus goes on to say, if you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. This is, this is very real stuff, man. This is, 
You can have that against your boss. You can have that against your neighbor. You can have that against your, your parents. You can have that against your spouse. You can have something in you where you just, you know, I mean, they just, there's that thing. There's that thing that just drives you nuts. And I know every single marriage has that thing. Several things. You need to forgive, Diane. I'm just saying. It's amazing what comes out of the mouth. I mean, you know, you just. But yeah, we're all there. We laugh about it because we're all there. There's that thing. There's that thing. I did it again. If we can't forgive, then we're holding them back. We're holding them back. We're keeping them from walking in the fullness of what God wants for them. Jesus realized He had to forgive the people that that killed Him or were killing Him. He realized He... If he held back, then there, then, then obviously he didn't do what he came here for. Whew. Ready? Hang on to your seat just for a second. If you don't walk in forgiveness, you're not able to fulfill what you came here for. We're here to show the love of God. And if we hold things against people, if we don't forgive them. Now here's the deal. I'm not going to have an altar call for everyone who you know, needs to deal with this or whatever. You, you deal with that with God. It doesn't have to be a thing. I, at least I, I thought, I prayed about it, it doesn't have to be a thing. This is something that you can right now deal with. Lord, help me. Help me. I told you know this, told the story before. I was I was angry at, the, at a human being, at a person, hated him, and I, and God told me I had to forgive him. I said I can't, I can't forgive him. And he said, I said, but here's the deal: if you want to change me, if you want me to, you if you want to work in me, I give you free reign to deal with me and that person and that that issue. I want to forgive them to honor you. I just can't forgive them right now. And God did. He did it. I actually think about this person every once in a while, and I pray for them, pray that God blesses them. I don't know what's ever happened in their life. I haven't seen them in many, many years. But I not only don't hate them anymore, I actually love them. I care. God can change you. God can do that. That deep, that deep, The deepest ones He can deal with. And, he, and you have to let Him do it. Because if you don't forgive, oh, that's, just, that's one of the scariest verses in the Bible to me. If you don't forgive, Jesus said, I can't forgive you. That is not worth taking to your grave, man. That is not worth dying with. Whatever it is. And it, it's not, I mean, yes, it's not worth dying with, but it's also holding you back. It's holding you back if you don't forgive. It's holding them back if you don't forgive. You have no idea what it's holding back. Because the moment that you're able where you can forgive them and you forgive them with all of your heart, they're set free, you're set free, the plan of God is set free. And look what God can do. So just close your eyes real quick. Not going to do anything too protracted here. I just want to give you a moment. I'm not asking you to dredge up the third grade whatever that hurt your feelings and you didn't realize... Whatever. If it is great, awesome. 
But whatever it is, whatever it is, whoever it is, and especially if it's yourself, forgive them right now. Just say, say, I forgive them. I forgive. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it, but you know, say it. You, you may, when you're driving home today, say, you know what? I need to say this out loud to make it official. Father, I forgive so-and-so. Father, I forgive them. I forgive that situation. I forgive, Lord, for, I forgive me. I realize today I, I, I've, I've, done, I've, I've not forgiven myself. Help me, Lord. Those, those people you can't forgive. That you're just like, I'm not going to lie. I can't, I'm not going to play a game here. I'm not going to be you just lip service. Lord, you know. You know my heart. and You know I can't forgive them right now. Lord, I give them to you. I give, the, I give that area of my life, that, that, those people, that person, that situation, Lord, I give it to you. Help me. If you can't forgive yourself, say, Lord, help me to forgive myself. If I can't do it right now, ask Him to help you. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll, he'll, you'll be set free. He'll change you from the inside out. But you have to be willing to do so. Well, for me, it's the the guy in the left lane who won't move over for me. but And I have a horn to prove it, right? Okay. Uh, I'm just going to say a few words over the offering this morning, and uh, we'll go on from there. I've, I've presented this before, but there are a lot of new faces. So the next few times I speak, I'm going to talk about the three different types of, of giving that we see in the Word. And today it's, it's tithes, offerings, and alms. So today I'm going to speak a little bit about tithes. Um, a tithe is a tenth, right? And it's not always money that was talked about in the, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there are a number of references to it throughout the Word. And many people believe that it's part of the Mosaic Law. It is, but it's not exclusive to the Mosaic Law. It preceded the Mosaic Law because we see um, it, it's not a hard commandment for me, but I think it is a a principle that is good for us to, to uh, hold on to. Because we see that even before Abraham, before his name was changed from Abram to Abraham, he met with uh, Melchizedek in Genesis fourteen eighteen through twenty one. It says, "Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand." And he gave him a tithe of all. Well, we see here that Melchizedek wasn't referenced before this in the Word. And there are many people who believe that he's a type and shadow of Jesus, one of the first types and shadows in the Old, in the Old Testament. And so we notice that Abram had just been to war. He had just acquired a bunch of, of things. And so Melchizedek came out with bread and wine. Imagine that. Uh, being a type and shadow of Jesus. And Abram gave him a tenth of all that he had. So it was a, it was a principle. So that precedes the, the, the Mosaic law. It also precedes the Abrahamic law. But again, I don't 
believe that it's a law that we have to follow, but I think it's a good principle. And also in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, before there was a a 400-year gap in the New Testament, in Malachi 3, 10 through 11, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the land, says the Lord of hosts. So in this instance, we're told that the tithe belongs to the storehouse. Well, the storehouse is where we're fed from, right? When you, If you're a farmer, you, you store things out. So to me, it's where we're fed from. Our local church, not exclusively, but where we receive spiritual feeding is where our tithe belongs. And notice God says to try him. In, in the King James that I grew up with, it said to prove him. You know, very rarely will God put that out there and say, okay, see if I'm telling you the truth. Prove me, try me. But in this instance, he does. He says, try me. I will, I promise to bless you. I promise that your, your crops won't fail, that your, your animals won't die, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a promise from God. And I like that promise. Um, he also said that he'll rebuke the devourer for our sakes, right? Who's the devourer? Satan. John 10.10 tells us that the the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's devouring. But Jesus came that we have life and life more abundantly. So this is an Old Testament promise. And so remember, Jesus permanently rebuked the devourer for our namesake. So that's an even better promise. right? And so... I, our motivation for tithing should not be that, you know, we count every every dollar, take ten cents out of it. It's a principle, I believe. It's a principle that transcends from creation until today. And the motivation also is a motivation of the heart. You know, we can we can tithe and we can still not have the right motivation. It's just it can be done just as a principle, but. This is what, what uh, Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 9-7. He said, So let each of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right. So the principles in the Word we apply to our life, and we give cheerfully because we realize where our source comes from. Right. God is the source of everything good, in our lives. The enemy in our flesh are the source of everything not good in our lives. Good God, bad devil, right? Father God, we do thank you that your word is our truth. Your word is our guide. And Father, we do thank you that you have promised that you will and you have rebuked the devourer for our sake. Father, we thank you that everything that we have is yours. And Father, you bless the work of our hands. We ask your blessing on each gift and each giver in Jesus' name. Amen.